Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Good afternoon, Stevens Creek. How you feeling? It is a good day to be in church. Those of you who are here in person watching online, we are just so grateful you decided to join us here at church. It's a good day. I'm so excited to be here, and we're going to jump right in. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Genesis chapter 3. It's right after the table of contents. You can turn or click with me to Genesis chapter 3, starting at the 6th verse. And it reads, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breeze were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? I want to talk to you for a few moments on the idea or subject, um, the battle for our connection to God, the battle for our connection to God. Let's pray. Father, We thank you and we bless you for this day and this opportunity to share your word. I pray you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what you would say in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, before we get started, I want to take y'all way back. I want to take you back on a little journey in time. I want y'all to go with me on a trip in time. Go with me to the year that the iPhone was released. Go to me with me to the year that Britney Spears shaved her head. Go with me to the year of apple bottom jeans and boots with the fur. This was the year of our Lord 2007. It was my second semester of my freshman year in college. I was loving it. It was a wonderful time. I think uh, one writer says it was the best of times and the worst of times. I was going through some battles. I had I felt almost like the lady from Color Purple all my life I had to fight. There were some battles that I was facing in the midst of that second and first semester of college. And I got to be honest with you, some of them I lost. The first battle, uh, that battle against the freshman 15, I lost to uh, All You Can Eat cafeteria. I I, I lost that one quickly. My uh, high school relationship, I lost that to a college entanglement. I think that's the verbiage we're using now, entanglement. There were multiple things that showed up battles that I ultimately lost. But there's good news because there were some battles that I won. There were some lifelong friendships that are beneficial to me to this day that I was able to win and fight for in that moment moment, and there were also grades that, uh, great grades that I was able to uh, excel at and had great
great moments in that area, battles that I was facing. But the biggest battle I think that I faced while during the year of our Lord, 2007, was the battle in my dorm between first floor and second floor. You see, it was very confrontational. At first, we started off as friends. It was a wonderful time. We would prank each other back and forth. But it seems as time went on, the schism uh, between us began to widen. There was a divisiveness and a division that showed up between us. The pranks began to escalate and intensify. And it became uh, more and more things that were just separating us and pushing us against each other. And it was really uh, dividing us and causing our connection between each other to be uh, discouraged and really falter and ultimately to be severed. There, it was this one thing that really broke the camel's back or really destroyed the relationship. Uh, the guys from the first floor, I was on the second floor, the winning floor, amen. Um, the guys on the first floor were coming back from class or somewhere, it was a group of them, and we had a gentleman on the second floor that was tech savvy, and he did something that jammed the scanners because when you came back to the room to get into the building, you had to scan your ID to open the door. And what we were doing as they were trying to do that, we had filled up a trash can that was about this big with water and we got to the window right above that door and we uh, allowed them to experience the, the blessings of heaven also known as a shower and we poured down that water on them and honestly it wasn't that big of a deal but that was the thing that broke the camel's back. Some of them transferred out of our dorm. They, did, they stopped talking to us and our connection was ultimately severed and broken. Now, don't judge me by what I did in college, y'all. The Lord delivered me. But it ultimately caused two floors to not be in connection with each other anymore. And I wonder if you scrolled through your Facebook feed or reviewed what's going on in our country, how fractured it looks like we are. The schism that has arose in these United States of America within our own communities, in our churches, in our own families, it seems like we are in a battle. Pastor Marty a few weeks ago talked about this idea of the battle being more than what we see. And what he was inferring and referring to is the fact that this battle we are fighting is not with individuals. I know that person made you upset, but that's not the root cause of the battle that you are fighting. The battle you are facing is a spiritual battle. The Apostle Paul says in the book of Ephesians that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. What he's saying is we don't wrestle against people, but against principalities, against rulers of wickedness in high places. He's saying what we are facing is a spiritual battle. This battle between good and evil. This battle is not something that is new. It is a tale as old as time. It has been going on since the beginning of time. This right versus wrong. This good versus evil. And in the midst of this, humanity is caught in between us. We are in a battle. C.S. Lewis says it like this, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. We are in a battle, ladies and gentlemen, and when it becomes 
comes to us as individuals, you and I, the ultimate battle or the original battle for you and I, for every person, is the battle for our connection to God. You see, and, and let me help you. God is not, uh, Satan is not afraid of you going to church as long as you don't live like church outside of these walls. God, Satan is not afraid of you having a good life as long as that good life is in separation from God. Here's the thing. The Satan is after your connection to God. He wants to sever it. He wants to break it. He wants to disrupt it and corrupt it. And I need you to understand when it comes to this battle of good and evil, what you need to understand between God and Satan, one of the main differences is God creates and Satan corrupts. God makes things good, and Satan's objective is to corrupt that good thing that God has made. And he does that within our own lives. You see, when God saw, created everything, he said it was good, and then corruption shows up. And here, here's how he, uh, the enemy starts to really separate or get in between our relationship with God. Is the disruption in our connection starts with a corruption in our desires. The disruption in your connection to God starts with a disruption or a corruption of your desires. His intention is to take your pure desires and the good thing and corrupt it and change your motives into a wrong thing. If I can change why you are doing something, I can turn your heart away from God. My brothers and sisters, when we find ourselves leaning into these corrupted desires, our corrupted desires lead us to make mistakes in our actions. When our desires are twisted and changed, when our thinking has been warped, it leads to a corruption or mistakes in our actions, sometimes called sin, where we fall short of the glory of God. James 1 and 14 explains this uh, or paints the picture really clearly. He says, temptation comes from our own desires that entice us and drag us away. Now, he's not talking about uh, good desires that we have. He's talking about corrupted desires. He's saying temptation comes from our desires that entice us and drag us away. What he doesn't say explicitly but is inferred here is that it drags us away from where God is and what God has called us to do. James goes on and says, these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Now, my brothers and sisters, he is not just talking about a physical death, but he is talking about a death of our innate purpose, which is to be in communion with God, to be in connection with God. Because when we are connected to God, we are in alignment with his purpose. When we are connected to God, we are living the ultimate way, optimal way that he has called us to live. He's doing everything in his power to disrupt that. 
everything in his power to stop that, to block that, to, to cause you to walk away or to be distant from God. We see this play out in our text that we've read this morning. It may be familiar to many of you, but it's uh, most commonly known as the fall account of humanity. Uh, chapters 1 and 2 of Genesis tell creation and God calls everything good. And chapter 3, verse 1, Satan shows up, the enemy shows up, and begins to twist and turn things. It takes him five verses to twist the mind of Eve and change how she saw a thing. And I heard a preacher say this one time, the devil only lies when it's almost true. And he says something in a way that warps her thinking and by verse 6 she is convinced and her corrupted desire leads her to do something that God told her not to do it makes her lean into a sinful action my brothers and sisters our actions never just affect us but they have a ripple effect on other individuals and other people and Adam is drawn into this and they partake and they are in a position where they are separated from God. And many of you, if you're honest with yourself, you're here and some of you are in a good place. Others of you have found yourself feeling distant and stagnant. Some of you have never been connected to God before. Some of you are longing for days when you used to be fully connected and close to God and things have shown up to block that connection. But I just want to remind you, as long as you have breath, there is hope that where you are now is not the end of the story, that although you are in a battle, the good news is that God says we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, that there will be glory after this, that there is a victory that is coming and our connection to God will either be reestablished, strengthened, and established for the first time. There is good news. And in this text, there is hope for us and instructions on things that we can do to help keep that connection to God and win that battle for our connection to God. If we're going to do that, there are four things that I think are important for us to do. If we're going to win this connection, it really comes down to choices. And we may say ouch more than amen today, but I think it's necessary for us to understand this because it will help us live the life that God has called us to live. Here's the first thing. We got to choose to reject sin instead of reveling in sin. This is uh, uh, clearly depicted here in the text. When their eyes are open and they see what has happened, they do not celebrate, but they are filled with shame. They realize the lesson that so many of us learn all too or know all too well is that sin overpromises and underdelivers. It overpromises promises its benefits and underdelivers but the price that we pay is much more than we intended to pay they are filled with shame and if we are going to be in a place that we are going to win the battle with our connection to God, we've got to decide to reject things that God rejects, reject things that are ungodly or unholy, reject things that God rejects, and don't celebrate or revel in the things that he is not okay with. This is a challenge 
In today's society that wants to reframe arguments and reframe how things are, the same way that the Satan came in the garden and reframed things for Eve, if we are going to keep our connection alive, we've got to reject the things that God has called us to reject. In the life of Moses, he understood this all too clearly. Hebrews 11 and 25 talks about him choosing the oppression of his people to stay with his people rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Here's what he said. He said, I would rather walk in the wilderness with God than to live in a palace without him. It's interesting that God describes following him as denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following him. Many times we are going to be confronted with the crossroads of comfort and purpose. And if we are going to keep our connection to God, we've got to choose him over the pleasures of sin. Here's the second thing that's important for us to do is that we've got to choose to confess sin instead of concealing sin. This is the big mistake that I believe Adam and Eve make. It's not just the sin, it's the actions after that I feel were extremely detrimental to them. Once they realized what they had done, they decided to cover it up. They decided to try to cover this thing instead of exposing this thing. And this is the challenge for us, my brothers and sisters, is how would you ever know God as a forgiver if you haven't made a mistake? How will you ever know God as a restorer if you haven't had some things broken in your life? You miss the opportunity to see the fullness of God when you uh, resist the urge to confess it and you try to conceal it. It's a challenge. I remember um, when I, I've, I was talking to my wife, and she, she kind of calls me a hoarder um, because, well, I don't think I'm a hoarder. I feel like I'm going to need that spare piece of wood one day, and when I need it, um, she's going to be grateful that I kept it. She texted me in between the services. She was watching, and she said, oh, so does that mean I can throw the boxes out? And I was like, no, don't touch my boxes. But sometimes... We hold on to things that need to be released. Sometimes we put things up in the attic and in the closet and we say, hey, we're just going to put it over here to the side. And God is saying, if you would give it to me, I can handle it. God can fix your issues, not your excuses. God can handle whatever is going on in your life. He loves you, flaws and all. He's not afraid of it. But we've got to be willing to confess those things instead of conceal them. Here's what Proverbs 28 and 13 says. Is that the person who conceals sin will not prosper. But if they confess and turn they will find mercy. That's the good news, is that what you think will separate you from God will actually give you an opportunity to experience God in a way you never have before, to experience the loving embrace and grace of your heavenly Father. 
God can't heal what we don't confess. We limit his opportunity in our lives by our stubbornness to surrender the areas where we feel. And here's what we're really saying when we don't confess it is, God, I can handle it. I need you to stay out of it. And we miss the opportunity to see God move in our lives in a way that is transformative, in a way that will ultimately change who we are. A lot of times we're like a boy, the boy in a story my dad told me. He told me a story about a young boy who was really in a a place where he shouldn't have been. His father had told him and gave him a brand new outfit and said, son, wear this outfit. It was all white. He said, but son, I don't want you going down to the river because you're probably going to mess it up. And he did like what most children do. As soon as his dad left the room, he left the house and went down to the river and played in his brand new outfit. He was jumping around and one day, while he was jumping, he slipped and fell in the river and got so muddy. He messed up his outfit and he got up and he said, my dad is going to kill me. My dad is going to kill me. So he decided to hide. He decided to go to a different place and meanwhile, he did not know his father was looking for him. His father was searching for him. And the boy, when it got to midnight and it was dark, he said, well, I I should just go home because maybe I can ask my dad to have mercy on me or forgive me and maybe I can explain it to him and he goes home and he begins to say dad I'm, I'm sorry but his father runs and cuts him off and embraces him he says son I've been looking for you he said but dad I was afraid to come because I messed up and I did what you told me not to do and while the boy is talking his father pulls out a new outfit and says son I know how to clean you up, but I don't want to lose you. And you can always come back to me. And here's the third thing that I I think is vital and important for us to understand. Is that if we're going to keep our connection to God, we have to choose to run to God instead of hiding from God. We got to choose to run to the Father instead of hiding from him. And y'all, I I have read this passage a thousand times, and I never saw it like this until this day. But verse 8, it says, at the cool of evening, the man and woman heard God walking through the garden. And when they heard him, they hid themselves. Now, I've heard all my life, sin separates you from God. Sin separates you from God. It it, it creates distance and a schism and a chasm between you and God. But I never asked this question. Who moved? Who moved? You look at the text. Even though they had already messed up, Scripture tells us that God is omniscient, that he is all-knowing. Even though he messed up, they messed up. God still kept his appointment. He still showed up in their life and the persons who moved was them. 
And I ask you this question, if God feels distant in your life, who moved? If it feels like you can't connect to God or your prayers aren't being heard, I'm going to ask you, who moved? Because I want you to know that your God is a loving father and he always shows up in the good, bad, and the ugly. He is there waiting for us to come home. And instead of hiding, we get the opportunity to run to the father. Our father who loves and cares for us. Our father who wants to make all things new in our life. And this is the reason why the enemy wants to keep you out of your connection with God. Because you can't live the life that you are called to live hiding and separated and disconnected from God. Acts 17 and 28 says, in him we move and live and have our being. In order for us to be the people he has called us to be, we've got to be willing to come out of hiding and run towards the Father because where he is, there is hope. Where he is, there is freedom. Where he is, there is breakthrough. Where he is, there is deliverance. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That's where our hope is found. And instead of hiding away and creating distance, we have an opportunity to run to the Father. Hebrews 4 and uh, 16 tells us like this. He says, let us now with confidence draw near. Another version says, let's boldly approach the throne of grace. Where we can get mercy and receive grace for help in the time of need. That, that, that belongs to us. This, this is what he's saying to us to do. That instead of drawing away from God, that we need to draw close to God. And here's a promise of scripture that has no fine print or no asterisk next to it. Here's what God says. If you draw close to me, I'll draw close to you. It doesn't say if you draw close to me and you have the right family name. If you draw close to me and you have done all the right things. If you draw close to me and you've been perfect. If you draw close to me and you're not messed up. All he says, if you draw close to me, I'll draw close to you. If you're broke, busted, and disgusted, it doesn't matter. He says, I'll come near to you if you're willing to come near to me because you matter to God. And because you matter to God, he will do everything he can and to reestablish the connection with you. God loves you. And he cares for you more than you will ever know. There's a, a scripture that says, or a verse in the song, that he saw, the, he saw our sins and he still chose the cross. He understood what it would take to reconnect us back to him. Well, my brothers and sisters, the fourth and final thing that we've got to choose to do if we are going to win the battle for our connection to God, we got to choose to answer God's call. 
in the midst of their hiding and creating distance between them and God. God walks to the place that he has always come to meet them. And he asks a question that is echoing even to this day. Where are you? Where are you? For each and every one of us, God is asking that question. For most of us, that answer will look different. For some of you in this room, God is asking where you are. And your answer is, God, I'm lost. People who claim to represent you have hurt me. I'm, I'm investigating this whole God thing and Jesus thing, and I don't know what it means. But I want to tell you, when God is asking you where you are, you have an opportunity to say, God, here am I. Save me. I don't understand it. I don't have it all together, but I'm willing to surrender my life to you. There's others of you in the room that God is saying, where are you? And if you're honest with yourself, You're in a dry place. It seems like there is distance between you and God. You woke up one day and you don't know how this happened. How did I get here? How do I feel so dry? How does it feel so lonely? How do I feel so detached? And God is saying, where are you? I'm calling for you to come home. Today can be the day that you experience my goodness again. Today is the day you can experience my spirit again, and your life will never be the same. As some of you, God is saying, where are you? I have purpose and destiny for you, and you're hiding in the shadows. You are waiting on the outskirts. There's some of you, God is saying, I've called you to pray and lead in your family. I know it's chaotic. I know it's crazy. But if you would rise to the occasion, I can use you to make a difference in your family, in your church, in your city, in your state, in your nation. Where are you? I wonder what would happen if the church responded to his question with, here I am, use me, God. Here I am, I'm available. No, I don't have it all together. But God, you know how to use broken crayons and paint beautiful pictures. You know how to take broken pieces and create a masterpiece. God, you can change and make things brand new. He makes all things new. Where are you? This is the question he asked Adam. It's a question he's asking us today. And our reply should be, here I am, God. You can use me. 
Here I am, God. I'm willing to serve. Here I am, God. I, I need to be in your presence because your presence makes the difference. Your presence changes everything. And some of you are saying, preacher, I, I don't know how to do it. You don't know the flaws in my life. You don't know the challenges and the, the battles I'm wrestling. You don't know what's going on in my marriage, with my children, on my job, with me emotionally, the warring that's going on inside. But I, I, want, to, I want to read this verse of scripture to you because you're not the only one to go through a battle. The apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 says like this, I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? In verse 25, here's our victory. Here's your shout. He says, thanks be to God that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is the one who can do it. And I just want you to know, whatever battle you're facing, there is victory in Jesus. Whatever war you're against, there is victory in Jesus. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Let the Lord arise and his enemies be scattered. Hear the word of the Lord. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You will see victory. You will win this battle. The enemy will not stop you from being in connection with God. Greater days are ahead. Bigger things are ahead. I speak to you now over your lives and your children's lives that God will take what the enemy intended for evil and turn it around for your good. Hallelujah, Jesus. He will turn it around for your good. You will not have to fight this battle. The Lord fights for you. The Lord fights for you. Don't let anything disrupt your connection to God. Because while you are worshiping and praying here, God is dealing with with what you are concerned and worried about. While you are in his presence here, he has sent angels to deal with what you are concerned about. You will see victory. Here's our response to God. Lord, I'm available. Here am I. I want to pray with you. If you have not said yes to Jesus, today can be your day. I want to pray with you if you feel dry. God wants to do a work in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you have declared, God, what you have spoken over our lives. And even now, God, I feel your spirit moving in and among us, God. Remind us, God, what the enemy intended for evil, you are going to turn around for our good. Remind us, God, that we have an opportunity to make choices that help to keep our connection with you. Help us to reject, choose to reject what you reject. Help us to confess quickly that which uh, 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 separates us from you. God, allow us to come out of hiding and run towards you. And Father, let us respond to your call with here I am, I'm available. God, for the person who has never said yes to you, let today be that day where they say, Lord Jesus, save me, change me. Make me into the person that you want me to be. Forgive me of my sins and let me walk 
with you, God, for the person who feels dry. I pray that you would revive their souls, God, that you would breathe the breath of life again. God, I pray for your spirit to fall on us again, God. Infuse us with your power and your spirit, God. Awaken us again. The places that were dormant, God, allow them to come alive again. If God be for us, who can be against us, God? So we even now speak to every mountain and say for it to be removed, God. We speak to every generational curse and say it is broken in the name of the Lord Jesus. There will be freedom. There will be liberty. There will be a revival in this city, in America. We decree it and declare it as so. The Lord Jesus will reign in our lands. In Jesus' name, and let us see your goodness in the land of the living we thank you and we bless you for this in Jesus name we pray and everybody say amen amen will you put your hands together and bless God hallelujah thanks for listening if you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the give button see you next time